Hi, I'm Jeff Albert, director of the School of Music Industry at Loyola University in New Orleans, and you're listening to our forum series, a weekly meeting between our students, music executives, recording artists, faculty, and alumni, where we spotlight industry professionals and discuss important issues shaping the business. This edition of our Music Industry Forum, faculty member Billy O'Connell talks with Bishop Lamont. Bishop is an MC, producer, actor, and activist. Bishop Lamont uh, is our guest today. He's a he's a, a massively respected figure in West Coast hip hop. Um, he's an acclaimed MC, producer, actor, and activist. Um, he is, has an incredible uh, experience, range of experience with some of uh, some of the other major figures in West Coast rap: um, uh, Warren G, Dr. Dre, um, Chuck D, to be uh, East Coast for a moment. Um, be real, Exhibit, uh, Jay Dilla. Uh, 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 you know, I, it, the list goes on and on, and and we will make sure that you see yeah. the bio in case you want to look up this dude's bona fides. He is bona fide. Um, he's also, uh, very involved in giving back. Um, and it's just as important to him, um, to, uh, to, to do so. He collaborates with, uh, the whalers, um, benefiting United Nations world hunger program. Um, and, uh, and, and he's collaborated with this all-star crew on Invisible benefiting the United Way LA downtown women's center and the Skid Row housing trust. This man gets his hands dirty. He does the hard part first. He does the work. Um, his music has been in video games that you know, True Crime, uh, Madden 2007, NBA Live 06. Uh, his, 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 uh, his songs have appeared in all kinds of media that you've, um, that you've, that you've uh, enjoyed. Um, we, can, uh, we can get into um, your path. Uh, Bishop, and, and so that I'm not just reciting your bio, but if you keep in <laughs> mind your own personal timeline, it'll help us to to shed light on um, on 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 not only where you've been and 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 what your what, what your legacy is, but also kind of where you're going and why that's so important as well, um, because you are getting ready um, to to put out uh, another great work um, imminently. So, um, so, so how about that? How about we just take it where you, you, you can communicate your path in your words. You're a, you're a, a multidimensional person. You have, uh, you know, comic books are there and, and video games are there and, 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 and society, you know, social activism is there and music has always been there. So what, what's your narrative through line? Like if you were to describe your path from the time you're like 13 years old, listening to vinyl records. Um, it started, it started even earlier because growing up in my household, um, my mom was playing all kind of stuff. Um, it would, it would range from, of course, uh, Ella Fitzgerald, Billie Holiday, Nina Simone, James Brown, Credence Clearwater, uh, yeah. Isley Brothers, Fleetwood Mac. Uh, it would go so many places, and this is before there was even a hip hop thing going on. So the music was always in the background, even Nat King Cole, Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Um, it was it was just interesting um, mm -hmm. because I'm a kid hearing it and I'm just absorbing it, and I always believe that music. I mean, for for I'm a nerd first, so I'm a nerd. I'm a, I'm a nerd. All um, about it. Yeah. Yes, all about it. Um, and we were nerds when it wasn't cool to be nerds. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> when you get beat up for being a nerd. <laughs> um, but music changes, like, the vibrations. The vibrations can change the molecular structure inside your body. Like, me and my wife were having this conversation about the body, like, even in its physical, like, mass, um, it's still open. It's not closed cells. So it's very receptive to everything. Even though we look, it's, it's just whatever vibration level. So anyway, I think the music, at an early age already started to, to change me and empower me and give me information that I wasn't even aware of. So mm. moving on to 13, 14, you have the love of cartoons, you know, every day coming home from school. So you have Thundercats, you have Transformers, yeah. you have Mask, you have Smurfs, you know what I mean? Oh, you like, were a nerd. Or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 80s the 80s yeah, was man. a great time for, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. for animation. Um, and for even movies, because when I saw the never ending story, 
when I yeah. saw The Secrets of Nim. Um, mm -hmm. Like there were so many dope things, The Labyrinth um, yeah. with David Bowie. Like there was so yeah, much imagination yeah. going on that it just, it, it just, uh, it did something to my brain. And then I saw Revenge of the Nerds at some yeah, point yeah. too. Yeah. And when they did the hip hop thing, with Lamar and 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 Booger and all these cats, like I'm just a I'm a I'm a I'm a gumbo of so many different cultural influences. Even a Ferris Bueller, uh, yeah. Weird Science, Danny Elfman, on the Oh my Boingo. God! Yeah, so yeah. I'm a weirdo. I'm a yeah, super yeah. weirdo. And um, the music, the music did me well. You know what I mean? I remember yeah. in one scene where they pulled out something from either Beethoven. It was either Beethoven or Bach. But they put that in there when they were designing the grill. You know, we're showing our age, but you get it. You remember? Oh yeah. Oh, I remember so, like, science. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Young Robert Downey Jr. All these. I think I named. Anyway. I think I named one of my sons Wyatt because of that movie. See, see, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> all that mixed together to just make me a mad scientist. And then when hip hop happened, yeah, it was just another realm to escape in because I started seeing people that looked like me. Um, yeah it was very important because I never saw people like me doing this kind of stuff. And from the level of what was going on in the streets, um, you were finally seeing people who could be journalists, street corner journalists, whatever, that were reporting what was going on in the mm -hmm. inner cities and in our lives that other people didn't understand. Yeah. There was things that were happening for me as a teenager walking to school and at school that my mom wouldn't understand. I said, it's a generational gap. She wouldn't mm -hmm. understand, I couldn't explain. Mm -hmm. So music, was really um, therapeutic and um, I don't know, a confidence builder. Uh, mm -hmm, it, was, mm -hmm. it was the big brother when my big brother was no longer there. So yeah. I don't know, just-, just So were you a, along, were you, would you say you were a sensitive kid? I'm super, I'm still sensitive. Yeah, very sensitive. Yeah, it takes very a certain sensitive. amount of, it takes a certain amount of uh, self-actualization vulnerability to be able to say that. But I think that the, I think the best of us are sensitive, it, it's kind most of poor, emotionally are, porous. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's most important if you are, but it's just understanding how to harness it and uh, not get offended so easily because your interpretation of what somebody's saying does not have to be hostile or them just trying to be a dick. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just how they express themselves. But yeah. I'm, I'm super sensitive. Um, it's a it's a great reason for my level of empathy and my my my, my level of connection with people. Period. But it, it helped with uh, just how I see the world to this very day. So mm -hmm. I like to keep. I don't like to be numb. I don't like to uh, try to block out what I'm feeling or what I'm seeing because mm -hmm. through those kind of experiences is how you understand other people, and then you understand we're all the fucking same. It doesn't matter what the external reflects; it's what the eternal is, and what the actions are, and what the same same challenges this, this the, the, the same fears the same mm -hmm. anxieties yeah and here i am yeah yeah so so it's funny we skipped a step which is you know you were a consumer of these very important pieces of content media uh cartoons comic books music um uh this stuff washed over you it it, it went in but somewhere along the line you became a maker that's a big shift. How did that happen? Yeah. Like what, what gave you, what gave you, you know, that internal permission or the drive or what, what was it that overcame the, 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 the sort of, you know, we all live in some sort of state of inertia, right? Where, where that right. which is going on tends to continue. Well, what helped you break the inertia and become a maker, a contributor of those things, which I think is a remarkable process inflection point. Uh, revisionist history. I'm not sure, um, but 12 or 13 uh, in my buddy's clubhouse, in his, in his tree house in his backyard um, after school. Um, and he had a couple of, of cute girls over and they're listening to hip hop. And the girls are really um, excited about hearing the potty mouth and the, the extremities of what the parental advisory, you know, you want to listen to remember stuff the, your parents say, say you remember, no. Do you remember so, what the music was? Um, it, 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 geez, early, that's 90, 89. It was probably mm. too short. It was mm. probably too short. It was wow. probably too short. That's a, that's a um, special time in music. That's for sure. Super potty mouth. Now it's like misogynistic. It's this yeah. and this. It's toxic masculinity. Yeah. It's, but back then it was just fun and we were hearing cuss words. 
and and things about body parts that you know are uh, <laughs> our hormones were just starting to kick in gear for so you know ears up antennas up but um yeah, yeah. i'm watching them react to it and then um i'm like damn i want to do this because if this is this i mean look how corny and shallow that is if yeah. this gets the girls if this impresses the girls yeah. i want to be cool because you gotta like realize my my um my confidence my self-esteem was very low at that time. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, I, I think that's it. I, I think that's just it. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm going to let, let you pick up, but that's it. You know, like you got to let yourself off the hook at some point. The, we, we're 12, 13 years old. We're struggling to figure out who we are, how to be a person. Like what are the, who are the role models? And you hear something that's suited to you and you think, wow, they really love that. They're reacting to that. That's what I want to be. I want to. I want to have an effect on people. I want to be able to assert this 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 influence on the world. And simply, I want to be liked. I want to be accepted. I want to be cool. I want to yep. be somebody that people want to be around. Because mind you, at this age, I was still a super bedwetter. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, you know, I'm the pissy kid. Um, you know, I, lo- having, I, lo- I love um, you. I love you for admitting all that. I love that bro, for just copping to who you were when you were a kid, because that's real that, life. That's healing, dude. That's healing. That is some healing shit. And I really feel like music is love and medicine. And, yeah, and, and, and you're, to, you're a healer. That's what it's supposed to be. So at that time, it's just like it's the PD kid without a dad, uh, poor kid, whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, at this time, we're living out in Reno Valley. Everybody's pretty much. Um, poor or barely in middle class and so that's kind of like where we are and we're trying to define ourselves we're trying to find self-value so the music um directly and indirectly showed me how to find my value and so i started i, I think we freestyled that day mm. in the in the tree house and mm-hmm. i got a reaction and then from then on that's all i wanted to do right, so right that's um, a chemical right that was a chemical there was that pop that that dopamine pop right and results yeah. results in real time instantly just you know and the butterflies are crazy but like mm. i'm gonna try to freak out mm. and the reaction i got was so rewarding it was like we're going to do this shit because look what your body's was, doing right now look what your body's doing right now your, your shoulders get high up you get you get you're feeling yeah, the tension you feel of that moment you know that like oh i gotta you get all tense i'm glad my brain can remember because it's it's yeah. uh it was so long ago but it's Amazing. it's those kind of defining moments and so I was kind of in between wanting to go into animation because my dream as a kid mm. was to either draw for Marvel mm. or DC and somewhere at that point move to Disney mm. and be a part of that whole world because I was always intrigued with Jim Henson's workshop. Yeah. So just the animatronics and the stuff that they were doing there. Yep. Um, first when I, Werewolf in London. Oh yeah. When, oh, American um, Werewolf American War- American War- American War- in London. Oh, when I saw that. I literally that. have a picture on my desktop from that, from that movie. Yeah. Like right now I have a picture on my desktop. You understand then how impactful that was from how they created that werewolf and the metamorphosis from human, how to yep. express that excruciating pain and the stretching of the limbs and the, like that stuff just blew my mind. So that's what I really wanted to be in. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and my mom got me an easel, my mom got me pastels, my mom got me inks, whatever I was dreaming of doing, Wow. my mom encouraged me and blessed me, and that, and that stayed with me the same with my daughter. Whatever her dreams are, I fuel them. So wow. she did that for me, but all of a sudden, I wasn't concerned with the easel and the drawing anymore. I wanted uh, a DR5, Dr. Rhythm Beat Machine, yeah. which was the first beat machine I got, and I wow. wanted to rhyme, and I wanted to produce some keyboards, and so that's where my world went. And then I just studied. I just, every album I had, I read all the credits, read all the producers, were they mm. ASCAP, were they BMI, you know, yeah. whatever it was. You yeah, know you're I mean? just where a sponge. You're a sponge, right? Right. And yeah. I'm writing down all the lyrics. I'm writing out all the lyrics so mm. I can understand how to design them. At the same time, oh, I was you know, always- that's another, that's another important thing to like stop and take note of. You're literally writing out lyrics longhand yeah. As a, as a, as an aspiring lyricist, there's there's learning in that in that muscular activity in that in that in that in that flesh and bone activity of writing out longhand these lyrics. You're building like neuronal pathways that that show you what it feels like to do that, and then you right. can. It, <clears throat> 
excuse me. <clears throat> you know when um, you know, like kid starts a band or something, all their all their stuff sounds really derivative. It's yes. like, oh, this is my Bob Dylan song, this is my Rolling Stones exactly. song, this is my blues track, right? It's like you're gonna be it, you're gonna be derivative, right? And it's just part of the process. But you know it's great when even though you think you're being derivative, you're actually creating something that's fairly unique because it's charged with your own personality. And then, it, and then that's that sort of middle step until you start to really innovate and create really. And you find your own stuff. voice and mm -hmm. you find your own voice. Like I always try to tell artists, like when people talk about biting and this and that, and I'm like, there's mm -hmm. nothing original under the sun when you start at your, yeah. at your base. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, if the will already exists, mm -hmm. what are you going to do? You're just going to style it out how you style out the will, or mm -hmm. if you're going to have four wheels or six wheels, but at the beginning, whoever you're most intrigued by, moved by, is who you emulate. And then yeah. you have to step away from those training wheels. Those training wheels are great because I used to just memorize the songs, memorize the songs, study their cadence, uh, study the energy of it, um, mm -hmm. where they were breathing and where they weren't breathing. Like I was always a stickler when I hear people drawing heavy breaths. Like I got so mental with it. And, mm. uh, you have to be a, a crazy mad scientist, but at a point, you shed what they are and you find yourself or you're not yeah. going to be a true artist, but you always harken back to what your building blocks are. So right. for me at that time, it was, it was run DMC. Mm. It was rock him. Mm. What was, what was going on back then? Stetson Sonics. That's a Sonic. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. MC light, Kumo D, LL Cool J, KS1. Um, De La? Of and course, De La. De La, Jungle Brothers, yeah. uh, Black Sheep. Queen right. Latifah, Moni Love, yeah. um, Red Man. I mean, you name it. So yeah. that's just the East Coast sphere because I don't mm -hmm. want to, Cool G rap, it's too many. I don't yeah. want to disrespect anybody by forgetting anybody. Yeah. But then on the West Coast, like people never give the credit to Young MC. I think Young mm -hmm. MC is one of the dopest MCs ever. He's never in anybody's top 10, top yeah, 15. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Young MC was writing so many dope songs for Delicious mm -hmm. Vinyl, writing yeah. songs for Tone Loke. Yeah. Um, just just bust a move when you listen to it to this very day. Yeah. It's so innovative and so dope. Um, and they never give them credit. So you got yep. Young MC, you got Tone Lo, you got yep. Coolio, mm -hmm. you have Souls of Mischief, you mm -hmm. have who else is going on at that time? Uh there's a group called The Knots, uh, Medusa, uh mm -hmm. Superb, um, you have Freestyle Fellowship. Mm -hmm. um, and this is all underground stuff. In underground, LA. yeah. I was gonna say because that's yeah, not like Ice T. Ice T was 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 around right then with you know Ryan Pays. He was just starting to take off in like '87, '88. Ice T, Chris the Glove, like, yeah. but you know, like that's gangster rap. Like, yeah. I'm not a gangster. I'm a yeah. I'm a nerd, so yeah. I can relate. And I'm like, I know those guys. I see those guys on the block. But I'm looking towards the guys that are like me. I didn't know Ice T was a nerd too, because mm -hmm. yeah, if you look back to like the movies and stuff. Um, yeah. And you see him and Chris Glove wearing all the rock and roll stuff and all the crazy stuff from the yep. Planet Rock era and Melly mm -hmm. Mel, all that kind of stuff. It's dope. So all mm -hmm. that just gumbo together and just really helped me hone it. And I just, mm -hmm. DLC, DLC, to have such a voice. And mm -hmm. he was the only guy on Ruthless that rhymed like that with such knowledge and skill mm -hmm. set that when I talked to him, I said, it sounds like Rakim, Chuck D merged together and, and something else, maybe LL. And he just laughed mm -hmm. at me. But like, mm -hmm studied all these different artists so it made me back then start to study it the same way as somebody would study martial arts and that's really mm -hmm. how I continue because it's like mm -hmm. you can't just have one strike you can't have one kick right. you can't have one kind of ground game you can't have one kind of standing mm -hmm. ground or mm -hmm. stance um and it, it just fed me it, it was just crazy what the journey did but mm -hmm. it was such an it was such a vast and rich universe and I'm a, mm -hmm. a trekker I'm not a trekkie I'm a tracker. So <laughs> I'm always looking for new planets and galaxies to explore with yeah. the music. And so right. that's, yeah, it was, it was, and I'm, I'm so grateful for it. Well, it's funny. I think that um, you, you might, you might think of it in terms of, um, of a, of a painter. Um, you know, you have to have, you have to have paint on your palette. Right. And, Absolutely. and, and you have to acquire those tubes of paint in order to get them on your palette. And, and, you, you know, consuming all that music and, 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 processing all those influences i mean each one was a dab of a different color and and then it's up to you to mix and to and to paint what you see but without all those you know without a full range of colors on the palette what the hell are you going to do so and you have to and you have to not listen to rap to create hip-hop for me 
mm-hmm. at that point, once I digested enough of what they were doing and I mm-hmm. started to have the wherewithal with where I was trying to go with it, mm-hmm. um, I think classical music was introduced to me way early in my life. Mm-hmm. So having Bach, Beethoven, um, Chopin, mm-hmm. um, just did something to my mind. Um, yeah. And then loving architecture, um, loving the design of roller coasters. It's funny, they're uh, supposed to be, those are supposed to be related things. Apparently, early, early consumption of classical music does a lot to your math brain. Architecture right. is math. Music is math. No doubt about it, right? It's, it's, it's all so mathematical. I think that you, I think you're definitely touching on something very interesting about your, about your background, the idea that you had this, yeah. I mean, I'm a weirdo. And, and I, and I, yeah, you got wired in a weird friggin' way, which is gorgeous. You know, it's a great thing. Early on in the 80s, uh, we had moved to Buena Park. And where we lived, uh, it was Preston Ave. I forget what the other street was, but it was directly across the street from Knott's Berry Farm. So oh, yeah. every, every day I could see Knott's Berry Farm, and pretty much every other day in the summer, we'd be at Knott's Berry Farm. Knott's Berry Farm is a huge um, amusement park here. In, uh, it's like a, a theme park in, in right. Southern California. So yep. I love the roller coasters. Then I got to go to Magic Mountain. And the right. weird thing for a nerd's mind is, I'm looking at the twists and turns and the way it sets up before you get ready for the drop. So then I started designing rhymes based on the way people design roller coasters, based on the way that people design freeways and and bridges Mm -hmm. and just like even guard mazes had something that just made me think of how to structure rhymes. Mm -hmm. So I started to impose all of those different influences, even looking at Rembrandt Rembrandt portraits or Picasso or Michelangelo, like whatever it was, Mm -hmm. I would look at it and then go, how can I do this verbally? How can I do this in an audio form? And it started to really show me a realm that I didn't know existed. Mm. I'm still, I'm still studying it. I'm still figuring it out. I mean, we we, we could talk for hours about that. Uh, you know, we could talk for for days about what what did what does that even mean, right? Like if you're talking about recreating Rembrandt through through rhyme, right? What? Okay. So if we really want to parse that, what do you mean when you say Rembrandt? Like, what do you What's the picture in your brain? What does that represent as a process? And then how are you doing that through words, right? Like what I love, I love the idea that that is so deep and we can go on and on and on. Yeah. Part two. <laughs> yeah. but it's, 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 it's so, you know what, you know what else was a huge influence? Rod Serling. Rod Serling. Wow. The Twilight Zone mm-hmm. and with the Night Gallery. Night mm-hmm. Gallery superimposed both the science fiction, the spiritual, and the visual of what the art was. Because, you know, before each episode would start, there were these portraits that Rod Serling would show up. Mm-hmm. And so the music was already so amazing. And then you look at the colors, you look at what the paintings were conveying. And I was like, how can I do this? Because all we're trying to do with music, either a singer or a rapper mm-hmm. or a poet or even a producer, we're trying to create visuals with our words. We're trying mm-hmm. to make you see what we're saying. So mm-hmm. this gave me an even greater look into how to give it more depth, how to give it more layers. And even, so that's I, a, even that's an interesting approach to say that what you're doing is conjuring visuals in, instead of, you know, other people might say, I'm looking to trigger a chemical in you, right? Yeah. A chemical reaction. And some people might just go straight through the, the, the auditory route to do that. But you, your orientation to this is to create visuals that tell a story it seems to me like visualness is a primary medium of 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 intake for you uh it's one of my tools in the toolbox but when when you're creating songs what you're trying to do is put people in that place Mm -hmm. so like i was telling my buddy last night i was like i don't like to go from one project to another project Mm -hmm. you know at the same time i have to devote myself solely to that character or that script Mm-hmm. Well, approach it the same way you do a film. There were so many influences. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 it's, it's, it sits in the same place of I have to create and put the listener there. Mm-hmm. They have to understand the characters and what's going on, even if I put them in the middle of the story. Mm-hmm. If I don't mm-hmm. give you the origin, I still have to be able to make you understand the journey of this character. Because the song wow. is only three minutes, sometimes yeah. six minutes if you're dope enough. So like that, that's always been my basis. How can right. I put them right into the experience? Mm-hmm. When you make a song, it should be an experience. It's not just words. It's just not noise. Mm-hmm. It should be an experience. Mm-hmm. And people should have 
goosebumps or people should be able to relate. Mm-hmm. The key thing is, 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 is having them be able to relate and feel mm-hmm. and, and see what you're saying. Even if they don't understand that world, even if they don't know, they right. don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But for some reason in there, there are the core elements that connect us as human beings and they mm-hmm. understand the triumph. They understand the struggle, the failures, mm-hmm. whatever. And so like, that's, that's, that's my scope. That's where I'm at. I managed an artist that had very impressionistic lyrics, and I used to hear this comment from time to time. I don't know what the hell she's saying, but I know what she means. There you go. <laughs> right? And that's really what you're describing. I love that idea. That's success because it's about connection. If somebody's a million miles away, mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, take your pick. If, if Just say Norway. <laughs> and you're trying to explain to Norway how things happen in New York or how things happen in Atlanta or how things happen in Detroit. Mm-hmm. What are going to be the very fine threads that connect mm-hmm. us? And it's mm-hmm. going to be through the human experience. Right. So that's where I always start because there's nothing new under the sun. And everybody's mm-hmm. going through the same shit from their own, excuse my French, from their own from their own tier, from their, yeah. from, from their own, from their own their perspective own, or their own, their, yeah, own, their own perspective. Right, right, so my right. thing is how can I meet you there? And you have mm-hmm. to bring them in with the right energy. You have to bring them in uh, mm-hmm. with good intentions. It always starts with pure intentions behind the song. Mm-hmm. It's a braggadocious type song, whatever. You understand because still people want to be confident. People want to be cool. But yeah. I always try to delve more into the heartfelt, more into the introspective, right. um, more into the things that go unsaid. More, mm-hmm. more, more of the things that people keep closer to their heart. Mm. You know, that's that's, that's what I'm intrigued. That's what and I'm it intrigued seems to, from the outside looking in, it seems like a desire to connect. Like mm-hmm. they, that, 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 that's what that's what the art of music is in in in, in your hands is is a is a tool for connection, uh, not looking for. Um, you know, like aggrandizement. You're not looking for praise. You're not looking to be seen as a hero. You're looking to connect with another person, which I think is, 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 is to me, I mean, that's, that's the kind of artist that I love is the kind of artist that's looking to, to connect with me and share uh, their point of view. Give me a, a, a doorway into their worldview, into their experience right and that's and and i think that you're touching on something else very very important which is that that's really what we sell when we sell music we're selling an experience we're selling the experience of being in someone else's head in their body in their shoes uh, in their life in their day-to-day um in their emotional world um, i feel like i feel like it's an unwritten law for artists when they get into doing music be it at a major label whatever now that doesn't matter anymore for mm-hmm. you know kudos to major labels but it's it's mm-hmm. a it's a wild frontier again now, so everybody can participate. The people that didn't make the cut yeah. because this guy was a douchebags of A&R or some mm-hmm. weirdo stuff, or they just couldn't deal with pressure. Some gatekeep- gatekeeper or right, whatever. Gatekeepers. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. you can just create music, but there's an, mm-hmm. unwritten, there's an unwritten law to me. There's an obligation that if these artists saved you, if these artists changed your life, mm-hmm. you have to turn around and do the same thing for others. Mm-hmm. So that's always my first thing. How can I do what Run DMC or Pete Rock and CL Smooth or Tribe Called Quest did for me mm-hmm. um, and changed my life and made me feel I wasn't alone, made me feel, um, geez, mm-hmm. man, Ed and the Bulldogs, mm-hmm. uh, be a father to your, to your child or father to your son. I forget the correct name of the song, but mm-hmm. these were the kind of things. Or oh, when Shaq, even Shaq, when he was rapping, he right. had a song um, I still had a father, even when my biological didn't bother. Mm. Um, these were powerful statements mm-hmm. for kids that didn't have dads, for kids that were in, thank you, baby, for kids that were in broken homes and mm-hmm. in, in desolate times and, and there was no hope. Mm-hmm. The music was always a ray of light. The music gave you vibrations right. in the worst of times. So for me, every artist, personally if music changes your life you have to change other people's lives if if these songs lifted you up somewhere in your repertoire somewhere in your discography there better be some songs that uplift other people or mm-hmm. selfish because I, th- I think the universe is based on equivalent exchange i think the mm-hmm. universe is a cohabitation of everybody sharing because mm-hmm. we share the same air we share the same sky we share right. the same sun the moon whatever you want to say mm-hmm. we're on the same ball all this craziness mm-hmm. that's going on, but we're here mm-hmm. together. And so mm-hmm. even in these times, we are always seeking connection. And so mm-hmm. the music is, is, is another form of us just wanting to connect as human beings. I see you, you see mm-hmm. me. The mm-hmm. greatest thing that people want is to be acknowledged. 
right. seen, it's to right. be heard, right. it's to be accounted for, it's to be right. valued. And mm-hmm. so that's always the foundation for me because I know what it can do. A mm-hmm. note, a note can change everything in your body. That's yeah. incredible. A yeah. word. When we're fighting with a government that won't do right, when we're fighting, you know, whatever, when music can make it right. Mm-hmm. That's that's a beautiful place to start. Yeah. So like that's that's always for me. You know, there's a there's a legendary LA band called Los Lobos that uh has a, a song that sticks in my head all the time. See how we are. Yes. See how we are. That's like the message of the music, right? It's like it's like this is who we are. This is what we're this is what we're experiencing. This is validation of our experience. Um, I'm gonna need to make a quick transition here into sure. the part where you went into business. You started doing this professionally, right? And now things change and oh, there and there are differences, right? And so, and your experiences are remarkable. You're working, you know, you're, you're signed to Aftermath. You're working with Dre. You are part of something, some enormous groundswell. I can't believe that there's not collateral damage there, that there's a trade-off. You know, there's all, I, I say this all the time in my classes. There's always a trade-off. I don't care what your choice is. There's always a trade-off. If you're a billionaire and you want to go buy yourself an island, you have to choose, do I want it to be a tropical island? Do I want it to be a rocky island off the coast of Maine? I need to choose an island, right? I can't have have them all. Right. There's always a trade-off. It doesn't matter. So what are some of the things that you dealt with as you transitioned from this beautiful, pure exercise in connection with those around you and reflection of your experience into a business into the business. What changed? What, what did you deal with? That's the scariest place for an artist and it always will be. Um, but the journey started way before the aftermath thing because when the aftermath thing happened, it was after I'd already raised my buzz to a crazy level in mm. Los Angeles and I was visiting the East Coast as well. So I was making a name for myself. Mm. But I started way earlier where I was um, working on songs for TV shows, mm-hmm films. I ended up at Edmonds, uh, at Babyface's label. Mm-hmm. Um, and a good friend over there, Tarz Asabi, um, started helping me um, get involved with the producers over there when they were working on films. So the first thing I think I did over there was for this movie called Havoc and the Havoc soundtrack. And I got the opening, uh, I got the title song for the movie trailer. Mm. You know, um, it was that's, very that's surreal. A huge, that's a huge placement. It's when you're in the trailer, thing, right? that's huge. Yeah, yeah. And guess what? I got paid two hundred dollars. <laughs> oh, oh. Because you don't know, and of course, oh, if you don't know, breathe. that's the trap for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, that's horrible. You know, yeah. for for all our music cats watching, students like mm-hmm. know this. People are going to try to take advantage of you, mm-hmm. and you only have so much wherewithal because your your toolbox is about your art, and right. it's about your heart. It's, it's, it's about what you feel and what you want to mm-hmm. do. And they love that. That's fresh fish for them coming in. It's like, oh, yeah. you know, you got, you got stars in your eyes. Yeah. You believe all the guys that you're reading in the magazines, you got mm-hmm. posters of, you're watching the videos, but they're yeah. really that cool. And yeah. Guess what? Most of those guys are assholes and they yeah. are not that. They stole and you, and that. You're, and, you're, and you're an easy yes instead of a credible no. It, like even you if know. you go in and you say, and you say, you say, no, 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 I think I want to read it. They say, all right, we'll, we'll wait. We'll either we'll right. use somebody else, go ahead, or we'll wait. Right. We'll, you'll come back. You'll do it our but way. You, and this is what they call paying, you know, paying dues and stuff. So mm-hmm. I was I was doing that. I was also frequently at uh, at the time in L.A., then 92.3 to beat. Mm-hmm. And somehow I made my way up there and made friends and started doing drops for all the DJs because my mm-hmm. thinking was I need people to hear me. So yeah. let me do drops for all these DJs mm-hmm. and do their theme songs for when they're coming in or just drops during the show. Mm-hmm. And all LA is hearing you constantly. And if it's mm-hmm. dope, look at those, those couple of seconds or whatever, how long it is, it's a minute, you're being yeah. heard and broadcasted live on, on, on national radio. When you're doing those DJ drops, you're not only being played on a major radio station, but you're being, you're being um, ex- people are being exposed to you in a great context with a lot of advantage, right? You have Next this to great- your favorite artists, like yeah. your, your drops going off and Jay-Z's coming on or yeah. Snoop Dogg or yeah, whoever, yeah. right? So I was always trying to think in different ways to get heard. And mm. then uh, we put together a mixtape and it had original songs on it called Who I Gotta Kill to Get a Record Deal. Mm. And so um, I think at this time I had made friends up at Interscope Records. So I was up there a lot. 
Mm-hmm. And so what we did was we snuck into the office. Uh, my buddy, um, um, Nick the Wizard Sanders, played the executive. We put a gun to his head because we were watching all the Snoop Dogg death row stuff. We're like, gotta be edgy. So it's like, give me a record deal. And so along with the cover, it was dope. But the dopest part was I was like, well, everybody might not like me. And I had this squad of dope artists that I was working with because my key was always, we need a movement. It's not just about me. Um, there was right. always this picture in the barbershop that I'd always see where there was an arm helping somebody else over the wall. I love it. And yeah. it stuck with me. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to put that, I'm going to put on this Who I Gotta Kill mixtape, all these other dope artists. Mm-hmm. So it was a compilation at the same time as a mixtape. So if you don't like me, you're going to like him. You're going to like yeah. him. You're going to like her. So wow. it was a mixture of original songs and me rapping over like my favorite, like, like hip hop record. So right. like, Excuse Me Miss Remix was on there. Mm. Um, it was a, Nelly songs. Like, this is when all those cats were big. So we're snatching wow. all these dope beats, Eminem dope beats from back then, freestyling wow. over those, and then having original songs. Yeah. So I forget what, what All-Star Weekend it was, but we had copies of this, and we slipped them under hotel doors. Wow. While doing construction work and hustling, we put our money together, and mm-hmm. we were sliding them under all these hotel doors. You know wow. what I mean? Like all these people were, were, were in, in, in LA for- During the All-Star weekend, the All-Star game. Yeah, This was yeah. the best time to attack the W, whatever hotels oh were there, God. you know, yeah. wherever they're at. But then Amazing. on top of that, we snuck into the Interscope Melon Room and had them packed, had them packed in with their promotional stuff that wow. they were sending out. So oh then people God. are, yeah, we, you, have to, you have to break the rules. Yeah, Not where yeah. it hurts somebody, but yeah. where you can figure out how you can be different from the next mm-hmm. five million people trying mm-hmm. to get hurt. Yeah. It, it, it's, 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 uh, it's guerrilla marketing. It's, it's, it's taking matters into your own hands. It's, it's um, um, uh, oh, there's this great term I remembered. There was a, a book that the, <clears throat> there's a book put out called The Happy Mutants Handbook back in wow. the 80s. I think the people who put out Spy Magazine back in the 80s put this yeah. out. And they talked about uh, like reverse shoplifting, basically ah. shop dropping, where you bring your stuff, like you would bring your mixtapes into a record store and drop them in the bin, right? With the, oh. where, where they belong, right? And that's basically reverse what you were doing. shoplifting, I love right? that. That's what you but were that's, doing. That's what we were doing because mm-hmm. then if you're getting a 50 cent, you're getting a 50 cent album or Eminem or whoever mm-hmm. was on Geffen at that time, you mm-hmm. also got my mixtape. So he's gotta be the next guy up. You're just not saying nothing yet. Yeah. So <laughs> The buzz got big that way. And, and that's how you I, become the platinum backpacker. Exactly. Right? So it's, 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 it's super cool. Um, I'm only doing this to give people context to understand it wasn't from zero to 100 and I'm here at Aftermath. Right. Um, that was the result of a big bidding war. Um, <clears throat> it was so much that went on and it was by chance because at that right. time I was really trying to sign to Kanye West. I wasn't thinking about Dr. Dre. Right. Um, he just happened to be on a video set. So I said, to hell with it. I'm here. I broke onto the video set. We could have got arrested. Right. We were hiding out. Make it worthwhile. And again, it's those moments that change everything. Mm-hmm. Usually, I think he chucks demos. But this day, he was just like, I'm about to leave, go home and have dinner with my wife. Mm-hmm. If it's dope, I'll call you. And that was wow. it. That was the exchange. Wow. Again, I was doing it to impress girls that were on the set and to make our time taking that risk. Uh, me and me and the homie DJ Rampage at the time because DJ Rampage was a very big um, component to why I had success. So props mm-hmm. again to DJ Rampage because without the DJs, there are no artists. And I yeah. hate when people negate DJs. Mm-hmm. He had me on all his mixtapes. He had me rocking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Boy, DJ For Real, I was, this is when we had crates. I was carrying yeah. DJ For Real's crates to be down, to That's be great. in the clubs, to yeah. be where the tastemakers were. So there was a long process of... Yeah of give and take and wins and losses. Yeah. You're gonna take a lot more L's than you are gonna have wins in the beginning for people mm-hmm. trying to rise. Mm-hmm. Nothing is overnight and it shouldn't be overnight. So right. all that turns into getting the aftermath. But mind you, for years before that, we were working on songs in Snoop Dogg's garage because wow. through my time moving from studio to studio, mm-hmm. I met his little brother B and mm-hmm. uh, Cousin Creep Dog and Goldie Lope before the East Side is all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know Snoop had a little brother. And then we start doing music and he invites me out to the house one day and it's fucking Snoop Dogg. So here I am now wow. in Snoop Dogg's house knowing Snoop Dogg. I knew Nate Dogg first from doing stunt work. And other, I think, 
I can't remember how I met everybody, but there was a mm-hmm. lot of different things that I did. But we were making our demos in Snoop's garage. So mm-hmm. when we come out the garage, he was in the house doing huge records with Scott Storch and whoever you could name. So it was right. always around. Guess what? I was that close, but I still wasn't on. Right. So that can unnerve somebody because you want your chance. But how Snoop mm-hmm. saw us back then was like, y'all just little kids. Y'all kids. Whack. Shut the yeah. fuck up. You whack yeah. guys. Um, yeah. But look. <laughs> We're here. And this mm-hmm. is when like he was the biggest rapper in the world. So it's very mm-hmm. unreal. So again, all this was 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 a was a a a a a, a grounds of of forging the artist I would become. Mm-hmm. So then flash forward to aftermath. I, I want to give people that understanding that nothing happened overnight. It was yeah. a lot of back and forth. Mm-hmm. Many steps. I had to change lawyers like twice to get right. Mm-hmm. I had to I had to change lawyers twice to get the deal done right. You know what I mean? Like there was a lot of crazy stuff because yeah. one lawyer in the beginning was friends with them. So yeah. they're going to play you. <laughs> right. People think that these lawyers are on the side, but it's like, it's business for them. It's just yeah. like prosecutor. Oh and yeah. This, this is something together. Yeah. I was going to say, this is a very important thing for musicians to understand if they're in the business that we, we, the artists in the, in this business are the stuff that runs through the pipes. Yes. They're the pipes. Yes. They're, they're the system, right? Those, yes. the lawyers talk to the labels. It doesn't matter what artists they're dealing with. They're talking about, they're dealing with the labels for 20 years, 25 years, 30 years. We're a blip in time as far as it's they're just cattle. And so if, you, if, cattle. if you don't know that you're, you're at a disadvantage. They'll always have another racehorse because when that racehorse breaks his leg, it's, it's run all his races. Mm-hmm. We're going to turn you into glue. Or we might make you some hamburgers at McDonald's. Just saying, you never know where it's going to end up. <laughs> you don't know. So again, we have to realize that they don't see us as precious commodities. The blessing of how the internet came about and the decline of major labels to it being a free frontier to a certain certain extent, we are masters of our own destiny again. And we don't have to be put in a screwed up situation to where we are exploited. Mm-hmm. We, we, we are destroyed, beat down and altered yeah. from who we originally were. Well, I have a, I have a, I have a question that was submitted by uh, one of our students. Remington Sosa said he, he'd love to know how you feel about the current state of hip hop and what it, what you feel like your place in the market in the marketplace is these days. And I think that this is a nice lead into that question because what you're talking about essentially is the fact that you can go direct to the fan. You you, that you have is a, beautiful. You That's have a direct connection, right? Yeah, and and you you cut out all that madness. You cut out all that frustration and red tape and debt that you didn't accumulate in the first place. Like let's 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 get the aftermath thing out the way. When I went to aftermath, and I'll get back to the question he had. When I went to aftermath, my eyes were open because I'm finally here, and it's Dr. Dre, it's Eminem, it's Fifty Cent, it's Buster Rhymes, it's Mary J. Blige, it's Q-Tip, it's whoever you can name. They're there in the room. It's happening. Uh, writing all these songs for different artists. Um, but here comes the business mm-hmm. or here comes not the business. And so you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're dealing with a monster and a machine that is only going to do what it wants to do. It doesn't care who it, who it chews up and spits out. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of, it kind of looked like Terminator. Which one was it? Terminator two. Yeah. When, the, when the machines are running over all the skulls and stuff, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of that's kind of what the music yeah. industry. Yeah, yeah. that's what yeah. the music industry does to to to, to good souls and to people mm-hmm. that come with their art and their blood. Mm-hmm. People forget that you don't need the industry; the industry needs you. They yeah. always need new blood. They need yeah. new life. They need mm-hmm. the youth. They need new ideas, or they're going to be the rusty Titanic ship that they are now. Right, and so the the business part of it really stunned stunned me because. I, 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 I've never been a business guy. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like, I don't like confrontation. I don't like conflicts. I don't mm-hmm. like manipulation. I don't like uh, liars. I don't like people trying to take something from me. Like this mm-hmm. is, this is my babies. This is what I do. Right. And that's exactly what that was over there. It's mm-hmm. a business. They don't care about you. Mm-hmm. Regardless of my relationship with Dre or whoever, there's a mm-hmm. business and there's a, mm-hmm. there's, there's a bottom line. Mm-hmm. And if it's already in the red, we don't care about how dope your music art music is and what you're trying to do for the world. Right. We gotta sell records. But guess right. what? You gotta take a backseat because detox has to come out first. Right. It's already shut down. I've, yeah. I've worked all my life to get to here. So that experience yeah. was very bittersweet. Um, mm-hmm. It's taking years to get to where I am again now to where right. that disappointment and those setbacks, those letdowns, that getting beat up that bad 
didn't take my light away. My light right. got dim because then you're trapped in a contract and yep. you're you're ruled by 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 a piece of paper. Right. And and that was all unreal to me. And I had right. to fight to get free. Um, but that's what comes with it. That's my story. It's yep. not everybody's story. But like yep. you said, there's going to be a cost. I wasn't going to pay those costs because that's not what I signed up for. Right. What you see is what you get with me. And maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more if we get comfortable, you see how crazy I really am. But <laughs> other than that, you have a you have a purist, you have a loyalist, you have a fighter for you. And yeah. so you have to be in those kind of environments. And mm-hmm. that at the time, Interscope, that whole environment was just too toxic for me. Mm-hmm. All I did, all I did was become an alcoholic, be really stressed out, get ulcers, mm-hmm. become somebody I wasn't, mm-hmm. fighting against people, excuse me, <clears throat> fighting against mm-hmm. people who wanted what I had. Because right. they're always looking from the outside in thinking it's dreamy. So you start right. to have a target on your back. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, the music is no longer about you and just people. Mm-hmm. It's about, it's got to be a club song. It's mm-hmm. got to be a crossover song. Got to have this producer. It's got to have this mm-hmm. kind of hook. So all right. of a sudden, you start questioning yourself. You start mm-hmm. not believing in yourself. Mm-hmm. You start listening to these supposed you know, top people, A&Rs, whatever, and they start changing you. You start losing pieces of yourself. So I say to everybody that's going to watch this and hear this, don't let people make you compromise who you are in your soul, in your heart. Um, That's a great message. And don't don't give it away because you Mm -hmm. think this is your only chance. You'll have so many chances if you just don't die. And that's why the new album's called Just Don't Die. I was just going to say, that sounds like... Sounds like an album title to me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Come whatever may, as long as you can take care of yourself and stay healthy, stay focused, stay, stay, stay deeply in your craft, mm-hmm. more opportunities are going to come because you're manifesting them. Right. They're not manifesting you, you're manifesting mm-hmm. them. So right. artists, protect your souls. Don't be a smug asshole, <laughs> but be genuine and mm-hmm. understand who you are and don't let people take that from you. And that's when I got to that point where I was like, to hell with this. I don't care about being famous. I don't mm-hmm. care about being blah, blah, blah on this big label. Fuck right. it. If I'm not happy, it doesn't matter. Right. Because then it's just a projection to please other people and you're, and mm-hmm. you're, and you're tricked by your ego. Yeah. And I'm what are you trying to do? Heart. What's the point at that, at that, at that, at I'm that moment? I'm just trying to make what's music. Yeah. I'm just trying to make music and I want it to come out. Because yeah. what's the yeah. point if you're doing 500, 600 songs and the world never hears them? Right. Right. What's the point? You know um, I have, we don't have a lot more time, unfortunately, as I said, I think we may, this may actually be part one, um, yeah, part because, one. because there's a lot to talk about still. And, and I think that this is a really valuable conversation for our students. I think they're going to very much enjoy this. I, I have a question oh, from, um, DJ Ritter, which is a little bit more practical in the, in the, for the current times. He said, um, during coronavirus, what would you recommend for artists who are trying to get into writers circles how, how you know how might someone access those communities with the lack of physical physical activity that's going on right now is there a way to sort of in involve yourself in other people's scenes i mean all these social all these social networks are already doing that like us on this zoom call right now you can do mm-hmm. this with other artists and mm-hmm. everybody's jamming where they are and creating so there's no limit to that and it's actually a more sought a- sought after thing yeah so with technology, we can reach anybody everywhere. So mm-hmm. for, you said his name was DJ. DJ Ritter, yeah. Yeah, DJ, DJ Ritter. Ritter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Through the music and, and and through like a lot, like, you know, like we were just talking about Twitch channels and different things. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. ways to create your world and to be able to bring people into the same space mm-hmm. and create because it's so needed. So right. that's an easy one. I think right. it was harder when there wasn't this pandemic because people are in their own worlds. By nature, a lot of mm-hmm. people are selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, arrogant, and they don't want to be involved. With and, and as we said earlier, they're, they're, they're ruled by inertia, right? So it's hard to go out of your way and break your pattern. I, I've been telling the story to anybody who would listen, like from the pandemic shutdown in the middle of March, I've been busier and I've met more people and, and enjoyed working with more people. You, you're a case in point. I, I hadn't had one conversation with you until a few weeks ago, and I wouldn't know you if it wasn't for the pandemic. I wouldn't know you if it wasn't for the fact that I was connected to this person who led to this person who led to this person. And I think it's a, it's a great time for people to remember why they do what they do and to connect with each other in this way and to make themselves available. And the, and the, the friction involved is so minimal now. All you have to right. do is agree to sit down at the same time 
and log on and, and you can actually have an exchange. And it's most needed now, you know, right. for, for the first time in so many years, right. music is very important. The art forms are very important to help people right. through these times. Agreed. I think music even more so than paintings, but you never know. It's whatever you feel, but music yeah. is always a soundtrack to real life. So for artists, Agreed. this is when the bat signals in the, in the sky and you're needed. Right. Gotham is in trouble right. and you're needed. And mm -hmm. you gotta go all the way for them, and so it's it's a it's a great time to really find it in yourself to be a beacon of light, to be a voice for the voiceless, to be hope for people who are hopeless. A lot mm -hmm. of people are facing evictions coming up, and mm -hmm. I mean, look, we got these crazy fires, yeah. uh, we got earthquakes, we got all kind of crazy stuff going in the mm -hmm. world. We have war constantly going on. Mm -hmm. People need hope, and this is when you give them the music. Be it right. funny, be it serious, yep. be it sexy. I mm -hmm. don't care as long as it can save people, it can change people's minds, it can lift yep. people up. This is the time for all y'all listening to really dig in deep and, and, and do your thing and reach the people. But it always starts with the core intention. Mm -hmm. What is the core intention? Am I trying to get rich? It's nothing wrong with getting rich if that's what you want. Mm -hmm. Say what you mean, mean what you say. But 100%. it always should start with a pure intention. And that mm -hmm. pure intention will never guide you to a wrong destination if you follow your intuition like really later on in my life at this age now mm -hmm. i completely follow my gut i started early they tried mm -hmm. to undermine that and tell me not to do that but i'm back to that and when mm -hmm. you go from that i say it this way if you go within you'll never go without and that's uh, where you need to be and this is why i loved you the minute i met you and this is why i felt like we connected very deeply i think we're about the same things i i am i, I am a cartoon character when it comes to talking about values alignment they make fun of me here in this program because it's all I ever talk about. I always talk about the fact that if you can find people with whom you connect in terms of your core values, there's really nothing you can't do. The friction drops away, right? So um, I'm, I'm, I, 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 this is all the time we have, unfortunately, but I'm going to have you back. And this is so, so valuable. And, and I'm so incredibly grateful for you making the time for all of us. Um, Bishop Lamont, thank you for being with us. Loyola University Music Industry Forum. We'll have you again. So long, fella. Thank you, brother. Blessings.